What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Fit for Life podcast. I am so excited because I have my good friend Brock Ashby on today. He is a singer turned personal trainer and now global online coach. Hello, Brock. Thank you for having me on. And before we start chatting, I just want to congratulate you on your house. That's awesome. I recently just got a small one bedroom apartment, so I cannot imagine the amount of space and freedom you have and home gym. That's yes. awesome. Big milestone <laughs> for you guys. I'm proud of you because we actually chatted about that years well not about that specifically but about your ambition and your drive what you wanted to achieve and we're in the talking about the fitness industry so that's that's awesome Brock thank you yeah that's I mean it's amazing for both of us to have got our own places to be engaged and set to be married things have changed over the past four years since we I think five years since we met yeah it's been a long time well, last week was a big week. It was like we went to the wedding venue to plan. We booked our honeymoon. We booked or we, we got our wedding bands. It was a big week. Oh, my gosh. When's the wedding date? Are you sharing that? Yeah, March March 26th. So it's not too long, like seven weeks away. Yeah. Oh, so exciting. I know there are a lot of women that listen to this podcast and quite a few women on the squad that are getting married this year. People love wedding stuff, like absolutely love it. So I'm sure they'll be stalking you and Kiki on Instagram to see all the details of your wedding. Um, we also just ordered our wedding bands and paid for them. I think they're already done. So we'll be picking up our wedding bands, hopefully on the way to Rarotonga to get married. Are you guys getting married in Australia or New Zealand? Yeah, we're getting married like a couple hours down down south from Sydney. So yeah, that's going to be cool. It's just getting family over from New Zealand, which will be the challenge, but doing our best. Yeah, yeah it's it's looking hopeful. So yeah, I'm yeah. hoping to be able to get to Australia this year as well. Fingers crossed. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we kind of just jumped into everything. So guys, you now know that Brock is getting engaged and married this year. We both have our houses, but I'd love for you to go back to kind of how, I guess, how you got into the fitness industry, because I did say, you know, you started off as a singer. So it'd be cool to know your mm. background for that. Yeah. So with singing, it was, it was never really planned. I didn't really want to like I didn't grow up wanting to be a singer or or anything like that I was just like a sport guy you know like I grew up like every other kid in New Zealand wanting to be an all-black sport was my life that was like what I wanted to be and I kind of got into singing when I was 12 13 14 and then it kind of just escalated I pulled back from sport a bit and then I I really went all in on music and I played guitar my dad played guitar so I grew up with him playing you know, the ukulele and the guitar four in the morning, waking me up. I was like, dad, got school today. And because he, he was a truck driver, he'd just wake up early and just start playing and singing away. And I was like, so if he was on this wall, I was sleeping the next wall behind. So all I could hear was, you know, somewhere over the rainbow and dad's ukulele. So I grew up around music quite a lot. And I guess I just fell into it. And then I, I started playing guitar, got lessons. And then I ended up going to jazz school. And I kind of decided, okay, I'm going to teach guitar. And then as I was studying at jazz school, uh, I had a few friends and we sung together. And this ended up becoming Morehouse, which is what I auditioned uh, or who I auditioned with to get into New Zealand X Factor. So um, we put up a YouTube video 
singing Titanium by Sia because that song was like huge at the time. And we did it and we like, yeah, sat down with the guitar and we sang and the next morning, like it was just fun, you know, like uh, we were just like, oh, let's do it. We would like, we would go out and just sing and do whatever and just have fun. But then we just like, oh, we'll put a YouTube video out. This is when YouTube was relatively new. And then the next morning we had like the Today Show emailed us, a couple of high schools emailed us wanting us to sing there. And we were like, whoa, what's this? So we kind of flew up to Auckland the next day and like sang there. And then it just kind of spiraled from there. We did high schools, like it was, it was strange. Yeah, we were performing at assemblies and they wouldn't leave to go to assembly. They would like, you know, just stay and want to have photos because Instagram was popping off, Facebook was popping off. So we were, you know, doing this stuff and, and, and we kind of got a bit of a following that way. And then, yeah, we auditioned for X Factor, did that came forth and then we got signed to Sony. So like before I knew it, I was like a full on singer, had no idea, you know, what it was going to be like, or, you know, no plan. I, I, I dropped jazz school cause I thought, well, I'm playing jazz and no offense to jazz musicians, but no one listens to jazz unless you're like 80 <laughs> or standing in an elevator. So I was like, why am I learning jazz when no one cares about jazz? I really just did jazz because it was hard. Like it was challenging. And if I did pop music, you can do pop music on YouTube and just Google, you know, whatever you want. But if you want to be a good musician, if you know jazz, you can pretty much play anything. So that's the reason I was doing it. So I was like, I'm at jazz school. I'm learning jazz. No one cares. Uh, I'm doing like I'm singing. So I'll just pursue that. That's kind of like what I want to do. Anyway, I don't I didn't really want to teach people jazz guitar or guitar. Like that's not the most exciting career for me. So I was doing it. So I just quit and went out on a limb and did it. And then, we, yeah, we did music for a couple of years full-time under Sony in New Zealand. Um, yeah. It's really crazy how once, well, I talk about this all the time, how one small decision can literally change the whole trajectory of your life. So you guys choosing to put up a YouTube video, you know, it might've seemed so small at the time that, oh, should we do it? Okay, we'll do it. And then before you know it, you know, you're entering the X Factor in New Zealand. It's mm. crazy. So from, from there, you ended up like what happened after that what was the change i know you moved to australia yeah so so from like we did music for a while a couple years and then it was kind of like we either do something or we don't like it was like we we got signed to sony but being signed to a record label is like you know because there's many people that are signed i kind of see you or as an act under the label as a as a pawn piece on a chess game. So they just kind of play you when they want. It's up to them and you're just a pawn. So if there's someone that's bigger, for example, we had like Stan Walker, he was huge at the time. I'm not really sure if he's huge at the moment. I don't, I, I don't really listen to New Zealand music in that much, but he was huge. So he was getting all the spotlight and you know other X Factor winners that were like, cause we came fourth, first, second, third, they had their time. So we were kind of just like back. So we were like, well, if we want to do something, we need to, I don't know, move to Australia, move to America, try and crack it big, or we just don't do it, you know, because like we were young, we were like doing stuff. So we ended up kind of pushing for a bit, but then we we kind of stopped. Uh, we, we well, I don't know how to say it, disbanded or we just broke up. Like not, like there was no like fight or anything. It was just like, look, we either all move from out of crushes just to Auckland or to, to Australia or America, but none of that really happened. I moved to Auckland no one really followed. So I was like, guys, we need to go to Auckland. I was like, I'm going. I'll see you there. They're like, yeah, yeah, we'll come up later. No one ended up coming. So I was like, all right, sweet. We'll just call it. 
so we caught it. I was stuck in Auckland. I was like, well, what am I doing here? Had a bit of a midlife crisis. And I was like, well, I was 20 at the time. And I was like, okay, I'm in Auckland. I don't really know many people. Uh, I don't have any family in Auckland. So I was like, hmm. So I kind of, so this was when I actually began to, to do personal training. I did like as many personality tests as you could do. I was like, what am I good at? Because I was like, I'm a singer. I've gone all in what am I? Like, am I a singer? Am I a guy that tried to play sport? Am I just, you know, something, someone that just tried to pursue music and failed? I was like, what am I doing? So I like did every personality test. I like analyzed myself. I was reading books all the time. Um, and I was like, man, I'm going to go personal training. So I, I started doing that. I kind of did a bit of music on the side, but I really pushed personal training. Um, and then that's where I started my, my personal training. And I kind of went into that kind of skip forward to moving to Australia. I worked really hard personal training, burnt myself out to the ground. I was doing too many hours. I was prioritizing work too much, didn't have many mates. So I, I went to Australia to Gold Coast to be with my brother for a while and kind of chill out. Still doing music along the way, still doing personal training on the way. And then I ended up moving to Sydney, um, still personal training. And then I was like, stuff music, I'm, I'm over it. You know, like, I've, you know, it is what it is. Cause if you don't make it in music, and you'll know this because you love music too. If you don't make it, it's like, make it, make it. Like, let's say it's Sharon, make it. Or even just Guy Sebastian, make it. It's hard to make a living, right? And it's so much work. It's so much practice. And it feels like it's not really paying off because, you know, it's hard to make a living. So that's why I was doing personal training, music for fun and like earn a living through personal training. Um, and I was doing them both for a while and then, my personal training client was actually like, oh, the voice is coming around. Do you still sing? Because she knew that I sang. And I was like, nah, I've hung up my boots. Like, it's a bit of a waste of time for me. Um, but she planted the seed. And then they messaged me on Facebook. And they're like, hey, you should come and audition for the voice. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm pretty over it, eh? Like, like I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a go. So I, so I did the voice uh, Australia without the intention of putting the pressure on or like trying to to make it make it make it um but yeah i did it um it was awesome i i was on i did my audition um and i was still working throughout the time so i was waking up at like 6 a.m doing clients till like midday and then doing the voice and then leaving and doing night clients like it was pretty full-on at the time um but yeah i got through like battles the audition the other battle rounds and then like a couple of the live shows and then I got eliminated I was like 12th or something but in terms of music I was like all right now that's finally done I was like that is it that is it um but no it was it, like it was a good experience at the time that I did the voice like I was kind of curious I was like maybe I'll continue music if anything happens but I didn't make it really far enough make any connections or kind of do well enough so I was like look I'll just take you know the experience take the exposure um, and actually on the back of that, I think the most positive thing that came out of it for me was, um, because I'd already been through the reality TV show space, I kind of knew what to expect after being on X Factor in New Zealand, but it was the relationship I had with Kelly Rowland, who was my coach, because I ended up personal training her on the back of that when she came to Australia. So that was like a big thing for me that I like really enjoyed, like coaching her was awesome. And just like, you know, how they live, um, and just an insight of like, you know, training someone like that, like they have different lives. They live on a different level to most of us. Um, and the, you know, the resource they have and, but ultimately like everything's the same. Calorie deficit works, hard training works, you know? So 
yeah that's kind of i guess where i'm at today that's where i went yeah so the voice was like my last kind of music thing and then i think i kind of hung up the microphone from there yeah oh my gosh there's so much to pick apart and yeah then, i was like um, how much do i talk about and how much do i leave out because i could talk for years on that oh yeah and i'm sure i could listen for years as well honestly it's just such an interesting journey that you've had that i'm sure like a lot of people will be interested in hearing about but i think it goes to show like a few different qualities from you that people can learn from and that you know you wanted to do personal training you still wanted to try singing so you made it work like having to you know go to the voice in the afternoon but wake up early to work really hard in the mornings and stuff and i feel like a lot of people these days like they'll say that they're you know struggling to find time for everything but it does often of course everyone's different and their life is so different it does come down often to prioritizing what's important to you and for you it was being able to train people waking up early going to work and then making time for the voice in the afternoons as well and the fact that you said that you know I guess you put a lot of pressure on yourself if you don't think that getting into the voice and placing 12th is um, a big thing but considering I'm sure there'd be thousands of people that would audition just to get on it and for you to place you know 12th it might not be top three or whatever but it does show like the stand that you set for yourself and to connect with someone like Kelly Rowland and go on to be a trainer for her when she was in Australia is really cool as well so um, I think that you being a coach for many other people around the world including Kelly Rowland um, is really cool because it just shows people that, you know, she's just like all of them. At the end of the day, the same principles apply regardless mm. of who you are. You really can't outwork that calorie deficit and um, the approach that you took with her would be the same as that you would for anyone else, I assume, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think just to kind of go back to what I was going through, like with music and like personal training and stuff, I think one of the main things that, I guess you could take away like life-wise is that I, I just kind of said yes to things because I was a bit unsure of what I wanted to do. I was like, yeah, I want to do music and yeah, I like personal training, but like, like, who am I? Like, what am I trying to do? I just kept doing things until it kind of showed itself. Like before that, or even throughout that whole time, I was doing like dishwashing, I was cleaning. I remember the church that I was going to, I took like a cleaning job there um i did like selling burgers at like rugby games like just random stuff on the weekends but i was just doing things and i think a lot of people these days sit back too much and just wonder oh i should do this or i think i'm good at that i'm gonna do a course for that and i'm all for courses and upskilling and educating yourself but sometimes you just need to do the things and even though more like being in morehouse and doing x factor didn't turn out for me i still learned stuff along the way even though I did the voice, I still learned things along the way. I met Kelly Rowland. I ended up training her from X Factor. I got TV presenting jobs that I wouldn't have got if I wasn't in the public eye. And even like, you know, like doing these jobs that I hated pretty much, but ended up trying to see the positive side of them. I developed a work ethic that a lot of people didn't have. Like washing dishes for eight hours is full on, man. It's not a glorious job. You like, yeah, you get free food, which I was all about. Um, but you smell like crap at the end and like I would bike home and it would be raining and I would smell and I was like what am I doing with myself man but like these things like I look back now and they taught me and kind of molded into the person who I am today you know and I think 
that people need to say yes more often when they're unsure of what they want to be. When you're confident in who you are, you you more likely have to say no to things because people want too much of you. But I think before you get to that point where you actually know what you want to be, it's about saying yes to things and developing the character that you know you will become. Um, so that is, uh, yeah, I guess like what I kind of saw looking back at my life now, but in terms of, yeah, training Kelly and the things that worked, it's the same stuff. It's the same stuff like calorie deficit. If you want to get leaner, train hard, you know, train consistently, get your sleep, um, eat healthy. Like it's really basic stuff. And the things that people are looking for like this, like there's articles out there, like Beyonce's vegan diet, you have to do that to drop body fat. Like it's, it's not, it's not at all. It's the simple stuff that they do. Like celebrities have all these, you know, celebrity personal trainers. I think it's all rubbish. Like I could call myself a celebrity personal trainer too, but I'm just a personal trainer because you're not doing anything celebrity about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's no celebrity carrots that you can eat or celebrity bicep curls that you can do. It's all the same stuff, right? You just, like you're just in the public eye and you're just famous. People know who you are, but you still do stuff that we all do. And it, you know, the same stuff works. The principles work as you know, coaching people all around the world as well. There's no person that you go, Oh no, you have to do this, you know, specific thing because that is what works. Um, yes. We have personalized programs and all that kind of stuff, but celebrity personal training, I think it's all rubbish yeah I love that oh my gosh and I do feel like you and I are such good friends because we're so similar like everything you said about knowing when to say yes and when to say no our backgrounds and music as well and having little I guess it would be a fifth life crisis at like 20 supposedly um, I feel like we've had those moments in our life where we've just been like what are we doing like I went to uni and did accounting I was doing performance violin papers and then I just realized like after getting the degree I was like oh that's not what I want to do, but I was saying yes the whole way through. And that's how I got into fitness and how you and I connected because I was working with a supplement company that we both like had a connection with. So mm. um, yeah, it is crazy how things play out in life. Yeah. But even that, like, you know, you took that job with the supplement company that led you to understanding a little bit more about the fitness industry, what it's like to work remote, all this kind of stuff, like all these skills that you apply on a daily basis, you know, you kind of, look back and you're like, oh, that's how I got here because you learn these things along the way. If you didn't say yes to that job um, or even say, you know, like, you know, not that, or like, you know, saying yes to like catching up with me and having chats about the, the industry or going to expos or, or, or going to events and getting an idea for it, you know, you, you know, you may not be where you are. I definitely wouldn't be where I am right now if I didn't make the decisions that I made like years ago. And I do reflect on my life a lot as well, just to see, you know, how I got to where I am, especially now when we wake up, you know, in literally our dream house and walk to the gym, that's our dream home gym. And you just think like every decision that I made got me to where I am right now, just like with you and Kiki and you doing online coaching from personal training and stuff. Like if it wasn't for all the life experiences that we have, we wouldn't be able to help as many people that we do. And we wouldn't be as relatable as we are to so many people around the world. Cause I can even relate to you when it comes to washing dishes. Like I did that as a part-time <laughs> job and it was horrible. It's- so bad. 
Especially the little cups and the spoons. You like spray them in the in the coffee cups. It's like straight back in your face. Yeah, and you've got to dry. Like if you've got to dry everything, and you get watermarks. And I didn't get any tips when I did waitressing. Like they wouldn't let me keep them. So I think all those little things that we would have said yes to has taught us not only the work ethic that we have now, but it also teaches you what you don't want to do. Like I knew from doing an accounting Mm. internship that I never wanted to do accounting in my life, and now I pay for an accountant. Like I just know what I want from life from the experiences that I've had whether they're good or bad because I do have the gratitude around it to be like okay well yeah that happened it sucked but what can I learn from from that 100% like I did a job uh, working for Javiana's selling jandals and oh man I hate like it sounds bad I didn't really hate it but I kind of hated working there I didn't hate my life but I was like man this is like what it feels like to work nine to five and hate your job. Like I would go in and all I was doing was reading fitness articles on the iPad that I was meant to be taking sales on. Um, I was like reading, oh, intermittent fasting. Oh, you know, oh, the warrior diet. Oh, lifting five by five. I was just reading articles all day. When people would come into the store, I would almost try and hide from them. I would try and like be in places where they wouldn't ask me to come and help. And, uh, and they'll be like, oh, excuse me. I'm like, oh, you know, like, oh, I got to do my job. You know, it was like such a bad place to be in. And yeah, that taught me that I didn't really enjoy working for someone or trying to sell things that, I've, that I don't like. I'm like, I don't care if you buy these jandals or not. Like, if you don't, you can get another pair or, you know, like it, to me, it didn't matter. And then that made me figure out, like, even when I did a bit of TV presenting, I was like, I don't really care what I'm talking about. I was like saying like, it was like, I started off like for a kid show and then I did some stuff for Maori TV, but the kid show stuff, I was like, I wasn't passionate about like trying to make kids laugh or, or do certain things. And I figured out from then that if I was going to talk on TV or camera, like I do every day on social media, I want to talk about stuff that matters or stuff that I'm passionate about because talking about, I don't know, some wrestling event that you want to come down to in a random high school. I was like, man, yeah, it's a battle. I think once you find something that you love and if you can, you know, go all in on it and be passionate about something, it makes it so much better. Like I have no worries to wake up at, you know, 4.30 every morning, like every single day doing what I love. But if you told me to do that for an accounting job, like good luck getting me out of bed because I would end up just waking up early, going to the gym in the morning and then honestly just going to the gym after work again because it was the only thing I looked forward to each day. Terrible. yeah, you can see how people get caught up in that grind, like just waking up and hitting snooze, slothing around at work, doing the bare minimum, you know, like it's an unhappy place to be. And I'm, I'm not saying everyone's um, carved out to work on their own and work for themselves because it does take a certain personality. Like you have to wake up and get it if you want to put food on the table for yourself. But I think just finding something that you're passionate about is super key. Like I like to look at it like this, like whether you're going to work for yourself or not, you're at your job for like eight hours a day. If you sleep eight hours, that's half of your waking day, right? So you got half of your waking day. You're doing something that you completely don't care about and you're dragging yourself around with. That's not a way that you want to live life. Like if you had a kid and you and they told you that they were doing that, like you would not want your kid to live that life. So you kind of like, I always find it helpful if you were to look at someone from an outside perspective, because it's hard to look at yourself and go, oh, you need to do this and you need to do that. But um, I read this book um, called uh, Motivation Manifesto by Brendan Burchard. And he was saying like, if you were a a director of a movie, what would you want the main characters to do? 
And if you put yourself as that main character, you know, would you want them having those friends around them? Would you want them going to work, spending eight hours, you know, I don't know, doing dishes or doing something that they don't want to do for the rest of their life and living this life? Like what sort of, you know, hobbies would they want? What sort of, you know, what would you want your main character's life to look like? And once you kind of get an idea of that, it's easier to kind of look at yourself like that, I find. Because if you just look at yourself and go, you need to go to sleep earlier, you need to quit your job and have a bit like, it's really hard to do. But if you have an outside perspective, I find it's a bit easier to kind of see where that person's going or not. And that's why we find it so easy to give advice to our friends and not to ourselves. Like those people that are always telling you what to do, but never applying it to themselves. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I need to read that book. But yeah, I do think that people find it really hard to reflect on themselves. I'm someone that really likes to reflect and journal and be aware of the decisions that I'm making. But I think a lot of people don't want to look in the mirror and be like, hey, look, you're not actually doing you know, what you need to do in order to achieve whatever the goal is, whether it's with fitness or life, relationships. Um, so I do think that idea of having an external kind of look on your life or as the main character of a movie is a really good way to do it. Um, I could definitely use that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough pill to swallow as well. Yeah, I think people often don't want to admit that like at the end of the day, you're responsible for your own life. It's not anyone else's job to make you go to the gym, to make you, you know, um, stay at work longer or um, to have a bit of work-life balance. Like at the end of the day, you have to choose what you want to do and go for it. And I do agree that not everyone is made to work for themselves. Like, uh, my mom works in the vineyard seven days a week and she absolutely loves it. She is so passionate about the vineyards and the grapes and the wine that her company makes. And, you know, That's I have awesome, that. Yeah, I love that. And I love that for her. She's so hardworking. And I have friends that absolutely love accounting. I have clients that are accountants and love it. So nothing against that. Like, obviously, everyone has different passions. It just wasn't for me, just like dishwashing wasn't for you. Everyone's got something <laughs> that they enjoy. I still wash dishes every night, though. <laughs> yeah, me too. Damn it. <laughs> I come crawling back. <laughs> yeah uh, but anyway there is so much I want to cover with you I don't even know um like I feel like this conversation could go in so many different ways but mm. relevant to what I've been going through recently I shared on my Instagram um that I had a loss in the family um last weekend which was the weekend we moved into our house my family made the decision to not tell me until after on the Monday so it's been a wild week and I often get people that will message me going through really tough times on their fitness journey in which a family member is super sick. They've lost a loved one or a friend, especially with the times that we are in right now all around the world um, with depression mm. and mental health and things. I would, if you are okay with it, would love for you to share a little bit um, of an insight of, I guess, um, dealing with grief and uh, I guess how you've, you know, got into where you are now with the loss that you've had in your life if you're okay with opening up about it yeah for sure um so when I was I was 12 years old um I I went through this process that yeah changed my life forever I so I remember I was playing rugby for Canterbury um and and I was playing the tournament I had like one of the best tournaments in my life I got named to it was just a paper team, but I made like the South Island team when I was like, I think, I was, yeah, 12. And I was like, so happy. I was like super stoked. Um, 
And then I came home that night and my parents kind of sat me down and we were, and I was like, oh, this is weird. We don't usually have like family chats, um, you know, but all right, we'll go away with it. And we were having like fish and chips. We were watching rugby, classic New Zealand move. And um, my mom started breaking down and I was like, oh, you know, like, cause we never really had like family chats and stuff like that. And, and ultimately mom said that she, she had a certain amount of time to live. Uh, she had like three months to live. So from from then my life was different it was quite hard like I was only 12 so I didn't fully understand what was going on so I was still going to school um, but found it pretty hard to see like your mum like deteriorate over time like with cancer so I kind of went through school we went on our last holiday to Australia which was actually awesome like that was such a good time like or a good memory to have like with my mum and then we came back home and then not long after that, she passed away. And since, yeah, like dealing with that was really hard. Like, you know, you think all sorts of things and I, you know, I'm a pretty positive dude. I loved life and all that kind of stuff. But even then, you know, you, you kind of think, oh, you know, well, what if I wasn't here, you know, would it be that different or how was, you know, how's this pain going to be filled from my mom that's gone? You know, what's, you know, what's this all worth type of thing. So I was thinking all these kind of deep questions. Um, but I had my brothers, which were awesome. And my dad was there. Um, and I had an awesome family around me. But it's like, at the time, it's very difficult. But it's, you know, and I had to grow up fast. So I was 12 years old, I had my brother and my dad, which, you know, helped with like cooking and, you know, all the kind of basic day to day stuff. But when you're like that young, and you're going through this process, you do have to grow up because you're because you're used to like even though I was 12 I wasn't a baby but you're used to kind of being looked after when you're sick mom might have taken a day off to help look after me um, sports practice uh, my brother had to start taking me but mom would always take me if I had a sport tournament she would cook and come down and support she was at every kind of sports game so it's different and you kind of have to build this independence to really I don't know kind of look after yourself and to try and shed some positivity on the experience, because obviously it's really shit. Like it's not fun. There's no way to say that. Oh, I'm so grateful for this. I'm so happy for this. You know, like that's definitely not what I'm trying to say from this because it's hard. But I also think that hardships are your biggest teachers and that struggles are like, you know, your biggest teachers, because if you don't go through that stuff, uh, you don't really know your capability. So from this time, I really got this like independence. And I think from that time I decided, okay, I want to make my mom proud as opposed to dwell in this kind of just terribleness where you just like lie in bed and cry and you're like, oh, this is the worst. And that's the first decision you have to make. Obviously you have to deal with it. Like I cried my eyes out. I was into music. I wrote like all these songs which helped express the way I was feeling, like writing things down really helped me. So like whether you're a songwriter or whether you're not, whether you just want to write things down, it does help to express things. Talking to people helps because you have all this emotion built up. Like, like when you're young or just when you lose someone, there's nothing that can prepare you for that. Like you can't just be like, it happens. You're like, oh yeah, I knew that was coming. I'm going to be all good. Like I had three months to prepare for it and I was still <laughs> like a wreck. Um, like, but once you kind of deal with, grieving it and that can take years that can take months everyone's different everyone's got different you know like emotional i guess stamina or strength 
but once you kind of deal with that stuff and i think expressing yourself through conversation with you know older wiser people does help um and friends as well but i find that parents and mentors and people that were older than me really help because they've you know they've probably been through it or they've seen people through it so that helped me expressing myself helped and once i kind of had those emotions out i decided that I wanted to make her proud as opposed to just be like a victim and be like, oh, because I thought, oh, my mom probably wouldn't want that, like for her to pass away and then me just to let that dominate my life. So I decided, um, and this is actually something that I still read every day. Um, I kind of have this gratitude thing that I say every day, but in one of the things I declare who I am, I say like, I make my mother proud because sometimes you can struggle with that. If you feel like you're not living up to expectations, you feel like, oh, maybe they could be not as proud. But I kind of, remind myself every day that I make her proud because she'll be happy whatever I do, you know, as long as it's doing good stuff in the world. Um, but I decided to use that as, as, as fuel. And that's kind of, you know, like one of the things that I think is a bit of a superpower that I have. And to anyone that's lost someone, I think it's a superpower as opposed to like an illness or, or, or something that burdens you because you have that extra strength because no one, like, I'm not saying that you have to lose someone to have motivation, but it definitely helps because it, it teaches you that nothing's guaranteed, but also that you need to live life every day because you're not sure what's going to happen the next day. And you can say that, and there's a lot of quotes out there, like, you know, live your life to the full and all that kind of stuff. But once you actually experience it and actually lose someone, once you overcome it, like there's actually not many things that are worse in this life than losing people. So once you've gone through that, like your limit to what you can handle is much higher. And I think that that's why, like why it's so common to see people that say are successful in whatever we deem successful that have lost someone or come from a really hard upbringing because they've like, they have this level that's really hard. And once you've lost someone or, you know, lived on the streets or done, you know, had this like crazy experience, it's like, things that people think that haven't gone through that that are hard you kind of see that as oh that's just like what happened every day so you can overcome that so that's why i think it's such a superpower because things that are hard become less hard because you've already experienced this thing it's kind of like say if you squat 100 kg and then you squat 50 kg that's easy you can do that for reps you're like i could do that with my eyes closed just because you have this big kind of tolerance so if you have lost someone or if you're I guess, you know, in the midst of someone being ill or something, I guess an encouragement would just to be to, to use that as fuel, you know, not saying that everyone has to change the world, but even just, you know, make the most of your friends, make the most of your family, use that to drive you because it is a superpower. I think it's, it's, it's definitely something that once you get to that point of passing the grief stage, it can really help you live your best life. Ugh. I don't like talking about it, but everything you said was so beautiful. Thank you. Um, yeah, I do think as well, like at the time stuff will feel like the end of the world and it can really suck. But I think a superpower in itself is to use that as fuel and not everyone has that in them. And of course, you've got to go mm. through like a grieving process and be there for your loved ones and things. But the way I see it as well, because I like, I can't think of anything worse than losing loved ones is like... The worst thing in the world to be honest especially yeah. when you have a small family but i think like mm. to use it as fuel um moving forward so like everything you do is 
in your eyes to make them proud or to live out the life that someone else couldn't live out and I always think of that as well and that's how I've just got through the whole week to be honest it's like okay yeah. well you know they people wouldn't want you to be sad you know they want you to do your mm. absolute best and I'm sure your mom would be super proud of everything you're doing because you're helping so many people around the world oh I hate yeah that's the it's 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 all right it's you know it's something that kind of you have to go through but I think some people will think oh you're trying to ignore it like you're trying to suppress it but it doesn't go away like once you've experienced it you know that you're not suppressing anything because it's always there like and you do go through it you have your moments where like I remember I walked in one time just to my dad's room randomly and he and you know he was like crying and I was like oh you know you don't really like think people are going through it as much as they are it never kind of leaves you but I think almost having a distraction, not a distraction, but having something to apply that, that kind of energy that you have where you're just like, oh, I just want to do something to put something, to put that energy into something is very important. And that's why, you know, to come back to what we were talking back, um, you know, about earlier on the podcast, like doing something that you're excited about, you can put that energy into that. Because if you're say living an unfulfilled life where you're, you know, working at a place that you know that you shouldn't be at, but you're just doing it because whatever, you're not motivated enough to, to leave it, then you can't really put that energy into something. And then that's where people, and I've seen it in my family too, where instead of applying it to something productive, they put it into something destructive, that energy. And that can be the other way. Like, okay, here's the bottle or, okay, I'm going to start getting into drugs or I'm going to start getting into, you know, hanging out with these people that probably isn't the best. So I'm just going to sleep around just so I feel better. Like I was fortunate enough to have wise people around me, but also to have these projects where, okay, I thought I was a singer at the time. I'm not a singer today, but I put all my energy into just kind of writing songs and, 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 you know, expressing how I feel, which got me through that process, you know? And if I only sound sung just to get me through that time, then, you know, then that, you know, then that saved my life and I'm, you know, I'm all good. I'm here today and I'm, you know, and I'm working and stuff, but yeah, it's important to, I, yeah, I think have that something to apply it to what, like whatever that is. Yeah. Even like a positive outlet, I guess, like you had singing, I like to journal when I'm having tough times. I find it's like good to get words out. I'm definitely no singer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to hear me singing, trust me. Uh, so yeah. So for me, it's like journaling and things like that. And also you mentioned about uh, drinking and alcohol and things and both you and I, I'm pretty sure you've never done drugs as well. Right. No. no, so I've never done drugs. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've never um, smoked. I, like neither of us really drink alcohol either. I think I might do it yeah. like twice a year at max, um, just like at mm. bubbles. Um, and you don't drink really at all either. No, no. Yeah, I've just never really found it. Like I don't really like the sense of, of, of loss of control where some people really get off on that and that kind of makes their night because they don't know what's going to happen. It's like exciting. Uh, I, I, I don't really find joy in that. <laughs> I'd rather know what I'm doing. And also I kind of like making sure everyone's safe as well. Like I just had my Bucks weekend last weekend and like it wasn't your classic Bucks weekend. Like like people are like, oh, did you survive? Did you survive your Bucks weekend, mate? And I was like, mate, it was not what you think it is. No strippers, no drinking, no drugs. Like, you know what I mean? It was just like go-karts and paintball. Oh, I love, that sounds like the perfect yeah that sounds like the perfect stag dude like I just think it's a different it's again it's just different lifestyle choices everyone will make what's 
you know, the best choice for them. But same reason for me, I kind of just was scared, to be honest. I feel like I have very addictive qualities. So I was Mm. always scared to try any kind of drugs because I was scared I'd get addicted to them. And let's just say the high school presentations they presented on drugs and how addictive they are really got to me. And they're stuck. They scared me too. Oh, I remember one, it was like, it was like, don't do it once or something. It was like, just not even once once. I was like I'm never touching that man these guys off (laughs) their head (laughs) me too I remember those adverts would show the negative side effects of that was literally the advert that stuck with me they'd be like meth not even once yeah they're like scratching running around in parks like crazy people yeah I was like that's not for me so they really (laughs) worked those drug talks I guess in high school obviously yeah (laughs) yeah, that scared me for sure that scared me for sure Definitely. Yeah, I think that's um, so interesting, like regarding both life choices. Like, I mean, I definitely have friends like Ross likes to have a couple of beers and things like that. But we're past the stage of, you know, wanting to lose that control and my personality and uh, I guess nature of my lifestyle, wanting to be up at 4.30 to get it, whatever that is, doesn't allow me to have, you know, wild nights out. I just don't want to do that. It doesn't align with my goals long-term or short-term. And I know a lot of people struggle with handling, you know, alcohol and their fitness journey. So what's your approach for clients and things that, you know, still like to have wine in the weekend or weeknight? Yeah, 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 there's both. Um... Yeah, so I can't really draw from personal experience because I'm the same as you. I, I'm like very addictive. So yeah, and I think that's why we ended up in the careers that we are working for ourselves because we know that we can rely on ourselves to do the job if we need to get it done. Um, and, and like f- for me, I can't hold a glass. So I found that every time that I drank, it would just disappear. Like if, I, like if it was something strong, I would get really drunk. Like, like I'm not saying I've had those experiences. I've been drunk once or twice, but... I can't just hold a drink. So like if like say it's a Coke Zero or it's water, sparkling water, whatever, at dinner, like it, it's either full or empty. It's like one, like, like I don't know what it is. I can't sip and enjoy the taste. Mm, yes, this feels nice on my palate, whatever. I can't do that. So I'm just like, I just like knock it back, like whatever it is. So if it was full of alcohol, I would be drunk every night. My advice for clients is ultimately a perspective thing. So why are they drinking? Um, I think getting to the root of it is very important. Uh, like there's a lot of people say just to jump to an extreme, if people are drinking to numb, you know, their life that they're not very happy with. And obviously they need to dive into that a little bit more um, because, you know, there's something deeper than that. It's not just the alcohol. It's you trying to run away from, you know, what you're living type of thing. But if it's a social thing, I'm all for it. Eh? I like clients drinking because especially when they're trying to hit a fitness goal, if you take away something that they love and like rob them from it, then they're not going to stick to it. They're, they're going to end up despising fitness and go, oh, that fitness life isn't for me because I wasn't allowed to have a wine or I wasn't allowed to have a couple of beers. You know, maybe you can't get smashed every weekend like you used to, but then, you know, that's why you've invested into a personal training program or, a you know, a program to better yourself because you do want to make change. So, you have to weigh up the options. What's more important, achieving your goal or just kind of staying where you are and, you know, having that satis- satisfaction, which is temporary, just to like have a good time. You know, can you have a good time with maybe one or two less drinks? So I think keeping it in there is important. Just like if someone eats ice cream and they like ice cream, I'll say, let's work around it. If they like to have burgers on a Friday night, 
all right, and kind of have a few beers, then let's have a few less calories from Monday to Thursday so we can bank a thousand calories for that day. You know, it's all very independent on the person and the way that they see life. But for alcohol, like people can definitely have a couple of glasses of wine or a glass of wine a night or, you know, a couple on the weekend and still make progress. And, and, and I think it's important for us as fitness coaches, coaches to kind of put that message out there that it's not all or nothing. That whole idea is dead. It's not chicken, broccoli, uh, protein tilapia. shakes. Yeah, tilapia, you know, drinking raw eggs in the morning. Like that stuff does not have to happen. Um, it's, you know, it's about hitting macros, hitting calories, enjoying yourself um, along the way. Like, you know, that's why I did the ice cream challenge. I wanted to prove that people could eat ice cream and lose weight if they wanted to. And, you know, it's the same with alcohol, you know, like, Sure, it's calories that you probably won't get full on, but also there's times where people would have had the best times in their life where they had a couple of wines and we don't want to take that away from them if that's part of their life. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I knew you'd be perfect to have on the podcast to talk about your approach because I feel like we have a very similar approach to lifestyle and making it actually enjoyable and sustainable. Like we're not about cutting out ice cream. We're not about cutting out carbs or trying any fad diets and sticking to the bro science type old school bodybuilding diets that both you and I have done, which we spoke about on Brock's podcast. Uh, But yeah, I think when it comes to alcohol, For me personally, like I would prefer to have ice cream. That's just a personal choice, but I get that some people's wine is their equivalent, like their joy to what ice cream is to me. So I'm not about cutting it out. I do just think like moderation is key. And if them having a couple of glasses of wine is going to leave them feeling really groggy the next day and they don't want to work out, they're making with food choices because they, you know, didn't sleep as well. Then I feel like it's affecting their lifestyle and, you know, the effort they're putting towards their goals. Then, you know, I think maybe they could look at a different option or limiting how much they would drink, you know, maybe only on a Saturday night instead of Monday through to Friday Um, and I know some people over lockdown fell into a habit of like family members I know fell into a habit of having uh, you know wines every night in lockdown 100% and that's not uncommon like I'm sure you probably would have had a lot of people messaging you with all the lockdowns that have happened gaining you know 20 30 40 pounds over the course of um, the past year and trying to yeah and trying to drop it as well after like oh i need to drop my covid weight and stuff and it's you know it's i i I think that's why it's important to have these things in your life that kind of protect the things that you care about and health is often one that we care about but but we don't prioritize so say if you don't have these things in place like uh, maybe other hobbies or or um, I don't know, going for a walk with your friends or calling your mates or, you know, extra study that you do. Having these things in place kind of, I I guess, stop you from filling these kind of voids with things like alcohol, you know? And I'm not trying to say you can't drink more in lockdown. You can do whatever you want, but it's, it's like the day after and, you know, things like that, like you feel a bit rough, you have an average day at work. And then from there, it just kind of like spirals on. But like, say, I started and, you know, out of lockdown now because you can't do this in lockdown, but I started jujitsu recently and that's something that kind of helps me, like it gives me another thing to focus on. Like, you know, like, you know, like you, I'm all in, I like to do things all in. So, you know, with my work and if I don't have other things to do, like I kind of wanted a hobby. So I was like, oh, well, I'll do something. And, you know, that's like another thing that I did that's like productive or that I enjoy. It's challenging. It helps with my strength. It helps with my cardio, all this type of stuff. 
But I think often people just kind of get used to just work, come home, you know, spend time with, you know, like whoever you live with, whether it's housemates, your wife or your husband and thing. But I think, you know, like it's important to have other things going in your life, you know, like, yes, it's important to have, you know, like a healthy relationship with whoever you live with in a job that you enjoy, but there's also other stuff. Like that's what we did as kids to enjoy, like sport playing. If you see kids these days, they just run around, they play, they do whatever they want with whatever they can. And we kind of lose that as adults and get really serious. And it just kind of gets like mundane. So I think it's important that we have those things so that we don't just fill them up with like, oh, okay, I'll just drink tonight because I got nothing better to do, which is what a lot of people were doing in lockdown. Yeah, I think same with social media, you know, it's like, oh, well, I've got nothing else to do. Okay, so I'll scroll social media. And yeah. like, to me, the same as like drinking alcohol. So for me, over the lockdowns, I um, invested in myself. You know, I started doing another nutrition course. I just found mm. other things to fill, fill in my time with that I could look forward to and focus on. And, you know, now that we're in a house, I can finally get my piano into the house. So I'm moving nice. my piano up um, this month. So I'll be able to start playing violin and piano again. Uh, and that's going to be my passion. I think that's just something that will, I can focus on outside of fitness and business because otherwise being the same as you, I go all in on something and fitness was never meant to be a full-time job. It was never meant to be business. It was just a stress mm. relief aside from university stuff. And because I am all in, I was like, okay, well, you know, now I'm going to the gym. I better do it the best I can. And that's how I got into competing and stuff. And now it's just, yeah, probably my favorite addiction. Yeah. I, I, yeah, well, like competing is like, you know, top of the, you know, that's where you, you know, really have to dial it in. Um, I think a quote that I really like is, if you don't take control of your life, life will take control of you. And with life, the way that it's designed and kind of constructed around us today, it's not the best thing to take control of you. Like social media, algorithms, I don't think we can trust them to put the things that are in our best interest in front of us. Like it used to just be, oh, I follow these people. So, okay, I'm going to see Anne Julie's workout. I'm going to see Anne Julie's recipe that she made today. I'm going to see what she's up to. Oh, you know, my brother posted something. I'm going to see that. But now it's like suggested because you follow this person. I'm like, I don't want to see this. I don't want to look at this. Like, even if it's just like a dog or something, and I'm like, I don't mind seeing a dog, but I'm like, this just popped up because of the algorithm. It, you know, like, so I don't think, you know, that's why I think it's important to have hobbies and to have things going in your life or like, you know, reading or going for walks, seeing your friends and, and, and doing this stuff. And yes, we do need to kind of spend time on social media, especially for us, because we run yeah. our business from it. But it's, I don't think it's a place that we should be hanging out all the time because yeah, we can't control that whole life thing that's being put in front of us. It's just like, okay, I'm just going to show you this. I'm going to show you that. And then, you know, an hour's gone. You're just swiping on TikTok. You're just like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Now it's time to go to bed. And I've just like laid there for an hour doing nothing. Yeah. And it's not even, most of it's not even real. Like you'll scroll through, scroll through all this stuff and you'll see so many people's highlighted reels on social media. And yeah, people are starting to post like unedited photos and all of that. Mm. But it's not really like, I just feel like sometimes people are doing it for the attention of it, to be honest. Like, I do think that social media is just nothing that, unless you're following people that are adding value, like your content on Insta, 
claps for you because it's actually so informative and you know mm. I go on like sprees on your Instagram post because you actually spend time to help educate people and I'm all mm. for social media for yeah aspirational um you know inspirational educational stuff but if you're you know staying up past you know 9 10 midnight scrolling on tiktok watching videos that aren't even helping you and then you'll wake up the next day feeling groggy again this is not really worth it so i think people do need to spend more time like you said getting outside and connecting with one another especially like after all the lockdowns that we've had the last thing mm. we really need is more time inside on screens i'm definitely passionate for like actually connecting with other people in real life yeah i i for, for sure i think it's more so doing stuff for to fill yourself up like you know like that stuff yeah it might make you laugh and you just watch these videos like i was like you know like yesterday i was watching a hilarious video on tiktok and and but i stopped after that because i was like man this could go for ages you know i was like this is hilarious but i need to stop <laughs> i was like yeah like it's yeah i think it's yeah prioritizing time to see people because it kind of feels like you're hanging out with people when you're on your phone and you're laughing and stuff like that. You get that same vibe, but it's, it doesn't do the same for your soul. You kind of walk away a bit empty, but if you have those deep, deep talks, I think it's crucial. And, and, and one thing to kind of go off what you were saying before on the whole mental health thing uh, around lockdown on my podcast, I had a guy called Gus Walland who runs this foundation called gotcha for life. And it's about like suicide and like making, well, their goal is zero suicide within men, but, he was saying like, you have to, ha like, it's easy to have the easy chats, but you need to have the hard chats because those are the ones that count. And I think in lockdown, we kind of ran away from those hard chats because we weren't able to see people, see our friends. Yeah, you FaceTime and you call and stuff, but it's very lighthearted. I think having those chats um, is very important. That's like what humans were made for, to have this connection. And in lockdown, when we were isolated, I think that's why, you know, like mental health and depression, um, you know, took it well, mental health took a dip and depression kind of took a rise because there was that lack of having that feeling of like you're in a community and you won't find that on TikTok. You know, if, if, if anything, you'll find people that are doing better than you and you find out you, you, you know, you're upset. You're going to sleep like, oh man, I don't have very much. I'm, you know, I don't have a Lambo or, you know, I'm not that funny or, you know, I don't have a huge house and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, oh, I'm not that funny. And then you just like, you know, you're upset. And I, I, I just think scrolling with no game plan on social media is a, is a recipe for disaster in the long term. Yeah, definitely. I have to check out that podcast as well. And I do think like these days, Ross does a lot in the mental health um, area as well. So I know a lot of the stats around New Zealand in particular and Australia, and it's just not good. And I do think it's easier to have those deep chats with friends when you're like face to face, because it's easy for someone to send texts and be like, oh, are you okay? You're like, yeah, cool. How are you? And, and like, you can't tell how someone is. And I think it's super important for people not to dismiss it. Like if you're not feeling okay, obviously reach out for help. Um, whether that's a therapist, whether it's a loved one, um, or even just saying, like, if you don't want to talk about it with a friend that asks if you're okay, I usually will make sure that I say, like, no, I'm not okay, but I'll go and get help. Like, you don't have to push it under the rug anymore. And I think people are moving past the idea of just saying, like, oh, how are you? Good. And leaving it at that, which is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thumbs up. Emoji. Oh dear. I could talk to you all day long, but I know both of us have so much work to do. I'm sure going into the weekend. Um, is there anything else you would like to say? No, not really. I think I've said more than enough today. <laughs> Thank you 
so much for opening up, sharing your story. I'm sure a lot of people will leave this podcast feeling inspired. I know a lot of people like to listen to it on their walks. And where can everyone find you? Uh, just teambrockashby.com is the best place. Or just Brock Ashby on Instagram. You'll find, you'll find me hanging out there. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one.